This is Jan Swift, and you're listening to Discover Lafayette, a podcast dedicated to the people and rich culture of Lafayette, the gateway to South Louisiana. I'd like to thank our sponsors who make our podcast possible. We take our podcast with the ongoing support of Raider and Jason Sikora, our sound engineer. Raider is a hands-on IT service provider that integrates all of your needs for advanced technical support, effective communication options, and cybersecurity. Raider's motto is, you just want it to work. We understand. Please visit RaiderSolutions.com for more information. Iberia Bank and First Horizon, who are now one bank. Two relationship-driven banks, both leaders in the industry, have officially joined forces. The combination of Iberia Bank and First Horizon creates a leading financial services company dedicated to enriching the lives of their clients, associates, and their communities. I'd also like to thank Lafayette General Health, who has joined the Oshner Health family and is now Oshner Lafayette General. As one health system, Oshner Lafayette General will provide expanded services and enhanced care from the familiar faces you already trust. Oshner Lafayette General means more resources to help solve healthcare's toughest problems, reinvesting in our communities, and being further committed to health and wellness. Oshner Lafayette General. Together means more. Learn more today at togethermeansmore.org. Today, we welcome Joan Savoy and Andrew Duyon of the Lafayette Parish Library Foundation. Joan is the current president of the foundation, and Andrew is a longtime volunteer on behalf of the public library, having also served as president of its board of control. In keeping with its core mission, the foundation supplements taxpayer funding of our libraries by encouraging private donations and endowments that provide books and services, and they also fund special programs and projects. Since 1992, the Lafayette Public Library Foundation has purchased over 10,000 books for our libraries. Through the endowment program, the foundation has established a continuous long-term revenue stream for the purchase of new books and media for the library. Our public library system serves so many people from all demographics, and a tax renewal is on the October 9th ballot. It seemed like a good time to share the role of volunteers in maintaining this critical community asset and talk about the importance of making this resource available to all. So Joan Savoy and Andrew Dion, thank you for joining me on July 5th, a holiday, and uh, I'm not even complaining about it. (laughs) And I want to thank you all for the work you've done. I know you're both longtime volunteers, and the library has been in the news, it seems like the last two to three years, more than it ever was and it's been it's been there forever. So I wanted to share some of the good things that goes on and also let you talk about why you do what you do. So Joan, you want to give us first uh, like a little background on you and the work sure. you've done before? Um, I am a transplant to Lafayette. I've been here 15 years, uh, moved here from New Orleans. And my background is mostly in uh, the nonprofit world. So I'm very familiar with nonprofit organizations. And uh, I'm retired now. And since uh, retirement, I decided I needed to get back engaged with the community. Mm-hmm. So um, I've been volunteering for the last 10 years or so. And the library is, is one thing that I really wanted to um, support. Mm-hmm. I think it's so essential to the community. I do too. And Andrew, if you give us a brief uh, background of your work. Sure. Um, 
Uh, my background is financial. I mean, I was, I'm a CPA and uh, I worked for a small CPA firm in Baton Rouge and then came back to Lafayette, which is my hometown, to uh, work for uh, the city of Lafayette and then on to the parish of Lafayette where I served as the finance director and the uh, chief administrative officer during the 1980s. Uh, and then in the 90s, I was recruited to come to work for LUS, Lafayette Utility System, and I served there as their uh, manager of customer support uh, services and uh, customer support services. And uh, so I worked there for 30 years. And, and then uh, part of my volunteer activity has been even prior, prior to the time that I retired, I retired in 2017. Mm -hmm. But prior to the time that I retired, I uh, got on the Library Board of Control and was appointed by Mayor Durrell at that time and then, uh, stayed on the board for 11 years, served twice as, uh, as chair. Right. Yeah, and then and, and now uh, I, I turned out last fall and I uh, joined the foundation board mm -hmm. and so now I'm working with Joan on all yeah. the great things the library does. I know it's important to both of you and I've got to share personally, this is near and dear to my heart. When I was growing up, I was really so shy and, and just... Reading gave me a feeling of peace. Mm -hmm. And so every week, as a, a young girl, I would go to the library and just get stacks of books, and I would read autobiographies about people that had done things. And it just, I've always found the library to be a place of refuge. And we've got some wonderful libraries here. I mean, our tax dollars, people can see. It's like going into Barnes & Noble for free. <laughs> you know, is. these it libraries is. are beautiful. So I wanted to let you guys talk. I guess first we can talk about the foundation's role. Like I gave, you know, I got that off your website. I mm -hmm. just, I didn't know if people even knew. I didn't realize y'all had different groups. Like there's the Friends of the Library and the Foundation and then right. the right. Board of Control. But right. for it's, people that don't know much, maybe you can start talking about what sure. you do first, Joan, with the foundation. It's, um, I, I know it's confusing to people, but um, on the other hand, it's, it's very important because we have so many people in the community who are involved mm -hmm. with the library. Um, but what we do as a foundation, um, we are a private nonprofit organization. It's volunteer. All of the people who um, serve on the board are volunteers. And our role is to supplement government funding for the library mm -hmm. system. So what we do is we have fundraisers, um, we have uh, an endowment, which is really important because it's an endowment program that allows people from the community to donate um, books for uh, in memory of mm -hmm. a family member or uh, in the name of a, a business. Oh. And yes, summer in Louisiana, right? They say donate, donate. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> so, um, so with our endowment program, we have been able to um, raise over two hundred thousand dollars. Gosh, since the start of mm -hmm. the foundation, and um, through careful investments, we've been able to grow that to uh, a significant amount and it, it it helps us to help the library mm -hmm. on things that they cannot purchase through uh, their ordinary budget um, the endowment is really important because the way that it works is you can donate a hundred dollars to start with uh, in the name of someone or a group or whatever 
And once you get to $1,000, then what we do is we purchase a book every year with your name inside the book so that anybody who borrows that book knows that you have supported the library. Mm -hmm. And this goes on in perpetuity so that it's... It never ends. So once you get to a thousand dollars in the endowment, then this just goes on and on. So what a wonderful gift! It really is. Yeah. It really is. A lot of people donate in in memory of a family member mm-hmm. or um, to support a particular cause. Yeah. But um, we have and we have several organizations that work with us. But the thing that um, the way that it works, and I, I have a, a chart that I use because there are so many pieces and parts to it, but what happens is the people elect the mayor or the mayor president and the parish council, and they are the ones who um, actually appoint the library board of control, and that's the governing body mm-hmm. of the library. Mm-hmm. Um, what we do is we support the board of control, the library director. We have connections with other organizations as well. The Friends of the Library is our partner. Mm-hmm. And uh, they do the book sale every year that most yeah. people know about. So it, there there are a lot of things that we do. We've um, been able to um, purchase the, well, provide the funding for the entrance to the children's department in the main library downtown. And if, if you've ever been down mm-hmm. there, it, it's off to the left. And when you go in, it, it just looks like a place that children want to be. Mm-hmm. So we, we've done that. We also uh, donated the wrap for the bookmobile. And the bookmobile um, travels around the, uh, the parish. And um, the the wrap is one of those things, you know, on the outside, the, of the, the outside, yeah. yeah, that identifies it. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have an education program um, that we're partnering with the Friends of the Library on, and what that does, it, it's a it's a public relations program to educate the public about what we do, what the library does, mm-hmm. who it is. And um, the, the catchphrase that we're using is, um, that's my library. So there are billboards all around town. Ownership. Yeah. yeah it's a public asset. It is. It mm-hmm. really is. So, Andrea, I know you served on the Board of Control, and I was curious while Jen was talking about the, the separate foundation. So it's got its own budget. It's a 501c3. Right. So there's no commingling of monies. But from your perspective, from your service on the Board of Control, I mean, do y'all kind of interact much with the foundation? Do you give them direction, or is it more of a that they've already got their defined mission and they stay in those lanes? Yeah, not so much direction, but it's it's they have a mission that's uh, that correlates to the mission of the library mm-hmm. of the library board of control. So the board of control, think of it as that's the governmental entity. Yeah. Okay. Those are volunteers too, though. They're, 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 they're volunteers. They're appointed. There's yeah. there's a it's an eight member board, seven appointed by the parish council. Okay. And then and one is an appointee of the mayor president, and that's how I got appointed. Uh-huh. Actually, I was also appointed by the council after my my term with Joe, uh, Mayor Durrell ended. Mm-hmm. So, but then the foundation is a private foundation, and the friends of the private organization, and those all support the activities yeah. of what the library does. Right. So. There's communication that goes on. In fact, it's not unusual to have members of the foundation on the on the board of control. Uh, actually, I believe one serves now. Oh, uh, Joan, I Win- see. Joan Wingate is yeah. well. Joan just went off the foundation board, right, I think, she but she served off. on the foundation uh-huh. board for quite some time. That's dedication. Oh yeah, yes. yeah this, oh, she's been very involved. And uh, Nora Stelly uh, also oh, yeah. served on both the foundation yeah. board and the board of control. Uh-huh. 
So you see, there's a there's a close connection between the two. Right. Yeah. Right. You guys are all dependent on continued support of the library by the entire community. Absolutely. Right. And I know that there's been. Um, I'm assuming most people that are listening to this might know the background, but if one of you want to talk about that the library has gone from being flush with millions of dollars that were saved so that libraries could be built with cash, and um, that money has been tapped into for other needs, such as drainage and all. I don't know who wants to jump in on that. Well, I think Jim's kind of nodding to me because (laughs) with my financial background, and I went through, I lived through a lot of this. Uh, It really started in, in the spring of 2018, um, the uh, library had a millage renewal. We're just like the millage renewal we're going to have this October. Mm-hmm. Okay, now that millage renewal happened in the spring of 2018, and it was held on the weekend of the Festival International, and uh, it did not pass. Uh, poor turnout and some last-minute uh, allegations by some organizations that the library had too much money. Now, we did have a significant fund balance at that time, upwards of $40 million. Mm-hmm. But we had projects that that money was earmarked for, mm-hmm. one of them being uh, the Northeast Regional Library, which has not been built. Now it's questionable whether it will ever be built. Uh, some expansions to the South Regional Library and North Regional Library. Mm-hmm. The North Regional Library expansion has been put on hold, and I'm not sure about the South at this it's point. Karen Crow. Yeah, the... North is in Karen Crow. Uh-huh. Right, South is along Johnson Street. Yeah. And uh, so, anyway, that, that, that millage, the, the loss of that millage election was a big financial blow. Is that to... went away? Like when it didn't renew? Does oh, yeah. that mean it's it did, it went dead? Away. That's okay. $3 million just went out the window uh-huh. at that point. And there were other opportunities for our councils to to um, mitigate that uh, that loss a little bit by roll forwards of millages at times when the property values went up or down, and those opportunities weren't taken. Anyway, all told, the library is now in a position. Oh, and also, I should say that of that forty million dollars of fund balance, the council asked the public to vote on uh, redirecting ten million of that fund balance in the. The public did vote to re- redirect $10 million of that fund balance, $8 million to drainage and $2 million to recreation. So anyway, with all that having happened now in the most recent budget, which is the 2021 budget for the city parish, right? Uh, the budget now shows that the library is losing a million dollars a year, and it's only got $7 million of fund balance left. So we're okay for now, but that's just kicking the can down the road, basically. We've got a, a systemic problem and a gap between revenues and expenditures that's going to continue to occur, and we're going to have to figure out how to, how to address that issue. If you can maybe shine a light on, you know, a million-dollar deficit per year, what does most of the money go to? I mean, are people questioning that? I, I don't know. Like, I'm, well, that's a lot uh, of money. Let me give you an example. Uh, you know, some of the libraries uh, take up to uh, a million and a half to two million dollars a year. When I say some of the libraries, I mean the branch library. So mm-hmm. we have the main library, right? Yeah. Main library is probably around the two million dollar. Let me let me just summarize in total, saying that the budget is about twelve million dollars right now. Okay. Just in in broad terms, and about eleven million dollars being generated. That's the million the dollar gap. You see. Okay. But of that twelve million, two million or so goes to main, million and a half to south. We've got an east regional library. We've got a west. Now we've got directional, you know, regional libraries. Four mm-hmm. four regional libraries, and we've got the main library, right? So you can see by losing a million, and then if we lose the millage election in the spring, 
we're talking about very severe cutbacks in services or the shutdown of, of one That's or more That's what I was libraries. wondering. Yeah. I know that nobody wants to see that. Yeah. And I, and I hate to use that as a, I, I don't want to, um, you know, cry wolf or mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're yell fire in a, you know, in a crowded theater. But nevertheless, it, you got to face the reality. It's a systemic problem, a million dollar loss a year with only $7 million of fund balance. And I've addressed the councils about that before and let them know that, yeah, just, I want them to be aware that the problem is not long away, and, and we just mm-hmm. if we just kick that problem down the road, someone's going to have to deal with it eventually. Right. Yeah. And Jim, that Northeast um, Library branch that was, you know, slated Same to be built, that may be the area of our town and parish that need a public library more than anywhere else. Absolutely for accessibility to resources, right? Absolutely. The computers, the books, right? Um, You know, because so many people who live in that area have to travel a longer distance to get to their public library. Um, And what we were hoping was that it would be be built and we'd be able to tie it in with the schools in the Mm -hmm. area, which definitely need to be close to a library so the children would be able to access it more easily. They wouldn't have to get on a bus or have a ride Mm-hmm. To, to get to the library. Mm-hmm. So, It'd probably be Northside, JW Falk, NB, right. all of those schools. Right, yeah, all of exactly. those schools. And right. so it, it, would, it would be a great asset to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, we are having to look at the funding and how funding can be u- best used um, to, to deal with what's right. needed. So, you know, and it, it brings to mind something that um, just happened a couple of weeks ago. There was um, a program that one Acadiana put on, and it was called um, a Vibrant Community Summit. And you, I think you were there, Jan. I didn't get to go. I was um, on the road, but I, it was, I it, heard wonderful. I read the book, Quinn Stewart's book. It was excellent. And it it's was about excellent. investing in it's, your community. Exactly. And mm-hmm. the point that he made was that Lafayette is right on the precipice of going from good to great and that we have all of the elements in place right now that can make this a much greater community than it is now. But if we don't have the resources available, we won't get there. And one of the resources is our public library system. And that's something that people... um, may not even be aware of, um, you know, the fact that, that it's in jeopardy and that parts of it may not be able to function the way that it has in the past. Mm-hmm. So um, that just brought that to mind. Right. Um, and what I'm thinking of is if a community doesn't support something such as a public library exactly. system, that is indicative of deeper issues. Right. You know, it's a quality of life issue for all of our citizens, you know, as a team. I think we're at a crossroads when it comes to those sorts of things. Uh, You know, Lafayette's been shown to have a pretty strong economic engine, and it's it's got some diversity, uh, economic diversity, I mean, in terms of being able to adjust maybe with, you know, the downturn in the oil industry and things like that. It's a big... uh, Medical center. It's a big educational center with the university here. I mean, what a what a, uh, a benefit the university is, you know. But the amenities that we have in our town, we're letting lapse a bit. I find, 
and that is the libraries, our recreation systems, our you know the natural resources that we have here. We're not taking advantage of like other communities due to the benefit of their, especially their younger. Um, um, citizens. Oh yeah, that's yeah. what people look for, yeah. especially like oh, when yeah. you travel and you go, man, I want to live somewhere oh, yeah. where they have a vibrant park system, where they have yeah. walking trails. Drainage, you know, but it, it's not free. Drainage and roads is important. It's true, and you you have to have that infrastructure. And by the way, we need to address that as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you drive through town and you drive in certain parts of town, you see the disrepair that's happening. But we need to invest in ourselves. That's, right. that's the that's the word I use. We need to invest in ourselves. Right. Yeah. If you don't mind, before we move on, I want to kind of get more into the the deeper issues about what the library does and, yeah. and um, you know, whatever else you guys want to discuss. But I wanted to pause as we listen back to a clip from a prior interview we did with Becky and John Williams of Pack and Paddle. Summertime is the, the perfect time to go kayaking, and they share their love of fishing in the peaceful, serene marshes of South Louisiana. And uh, I just thought with the library system, it's like some of the simplest pleasures in life can bring you the most joy. And uh, so you can listen to John and Becky Williams' interview and many more at discoverlafayette.net. Let's take a listen. Fishing has become a sort of a big part of Pack and Paddle as well because it fits so well with kayaking. Right. And also because uh, we... South Louisiana and our coastal marshes are, are sort of an epicenter for being able to go out and catch uh, redfish on a on out of a kayak. And that seems like it'd be difficult. Like you've got limited space, but um, actually, it's very easy. It's easy. <laughs> it's very. That's and the reason and that we're the reason we're an epicenter for catching fish, catching redfish out of a kayak is we're, is that it's one of the easiest places to come and do it. That's great. We have tons and tons of redfish, and they're big, and they are they're hungry and. Uh-huh. They're not cheesy, so. Where do people go for that? What's the best spot, or is there one best spot? There's a lot of spots all along the coast, but all the way from uh, Big Lake on the west yeah. side uh-huh. to, um, uh, you know, during the fall, Sipmore Point is a great spot. To mm-hmm. all the spots below Homa, which would be places like Cocodri and Bayou Du Large, on and a kayak, Point Ocean, and places right. like that. Yeah, in a kayak, because if you think about it. Uh, most places, if you're going to go coastal fishing, you got to deal with you got to paddle out through the surf, yeah. and it might be real choppy, and the tide might pull you way out. Well, mm-hmm. if you're in the if you're in the marsh, you're you're enclosed. There, the water's shallow, so there's not a lot of motorboats running around. It's safer. Uh, it's safer. You're yeah. protected from the wind. There's no chop. I mean, it's. I've it's never great. fished from a kayak. I've just. I'm, I'm showing again my ignorance. It's very peaceful too. Mm-hmm. I mean, in these shallow marshes. You often don't see anybody else, so it's quite it's a, beautiful. a solitude experience. Welcome back to Discover Lafayette. Well, as we're picking up the pace here with Joan Savoy and um, Andrew Duyon, I wanted to reflect back on how the libraries got started. And I looked up Ben Franklin because <laughs> I thought I, I thought I remember that, you know. But back in his day in 1731, of course, they did not have libraries, and books were too expensive to buy, which they can be still today yes. for many of us. And so um, he got his Junto Group. It was a mutual improvement club to pool their money and purchase books that they could collectively share. And it became the Library Company of Philadelphia. And that was North America's first subscription library, giving access first to shareholders and then later, of course, to others. But it was that first 
realization that everybody's better off when they have access to a way to, to educate themselves and to learn and grow. And so I know that's why you guys are both involved with this because you care deeply and it starts with our itty bitties yes with children i know when my girls were coming up we lived out in the country but we would come in regularly for um story hours and we'd check out books we would do homework between you know like we were on the road some because we they went to school up north at sacred heart but we would stay at the library get homework done take a class Mm -hmm. then we would go and do our little (laughs) extracurricular stuff but it was really just a safe like a second home it it really is and you know one of the things that I notice every time I I tend to go to the main library Mm -hmm. more than than the other branches that's good too yeah but when you when you go into the main library you see people immediately you know there are people there are people with small children they're going into the children's area you see uh, people making copies there are people there who are uh, writing resumes uh, using the co- computers and and we have some some um, statistics on what people have done or, or what the usage has been over the last couple of years and what we found is um, in between 2018 and 2019, pre-pandemic, of course, this was there were over a million visits to the library. Wow, really? Over a million, yes. Um, there were 13,338 library cards issued. Um, the materials checked out were um, more than 2 million materials checked out. Um, and of that, 12% were electronic. That's amazing. Isn't it? So you can just do that from your computer, right? You can do right? that, yes. Just download it and you can listen while you walk or something. Right. And you can, you can go into the, the library and, um, and utilize the Wi-Fi as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is something that I think we're all aware of now. You know, you got to be close to the Wi-Fi. My, my um, nine-year-old nephew came over the other day and he said... Um, what's the <laughs> Wi-Fi code? What's the Wi-Fi password? Because he he wanted to get into Wi-Fi immediately, you know. So from little all the way up to mm-hmm. um, adults, people mm-hmm. are using computers and they need those resources. Also, there's a um, a 3D printer at the library, which yeah, I, know. <laughs> yeah. I heard that. And, which That's is cool. amazing if you we call it the maker's space yeah, yeah. Make things there, so anyway. yeah it's great it really is great and so it, students use that for like school projects they or can i guess adults for, too adults can use it as well yeah so that it's i use it i use the library for rooms too you can you yes. rent you don't really pay for it but you can reserve yeah. a room right that's a huge need oh yeah matter, i mean matter, i've been to some matter of fact most of the expansions like the south and north expansion yeah. i was talking about uh, earlier that has to do with more meeting rooms yeah. because I, I, I went up there for I went up to the main library for some some meetings several times and I had to ask the, the, the collection clerk on the second floor something and I had to wait because there were two groups ahead of me that were getting ready to get into the, there was mm-hmm. university there were, uh, university students that were going into some meeting rooms with study rooms for right. the uh, it's so professional though you've got the um, yeah. It's not the projector. I don't know what they call it anymore, but the audiovisual yeah, stuff, whatever the yes. name is, you know, yeah. but it's all there for you. And right. I, you know, I hosted yeah. a meeting there recently, Andrew, and um, they helped me. They stayed after hours. Our meeting started at six, and they helped me get the. They had the computer for me. Yeah. I brought my little flash drive and set me up. It was so professional. Jen, I've had a uh, a person. Uh, I was at South 
once and I was walking into a meeting at the South Regional Library and I walked in with this couple, middle-aged couple, and I asked the gentleman, I said, well, I was just out of curiosity, you come here often? And he says, yeah, he says, every day. Every day. He's conducting his business there. Now, he's not selling things there, but he's doing his work yeah. at the library. It provides him a place that he can go to to get his, his work done. He's yeah. got great, great internet, great Wi-Fi. You know, great wi Some and, people uh, go to coffee yeah. shops, or they used to. Right. I guess they're starting to again, right. but the library's been open for Certainly. us. So, Certainly. Yeah. Except, been, well, good, Jim, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, um, I, I just recently read an article about how um, during covid so many people are utilizing, more people are using, utilizing the library mm-hmm. because maybe they don't have Wi-Fi at home any longer. Or maybe they don't have dependable. a computer, you yeah. know, so right. it's been, uh, it's been good. Yeah. It's been good for the community. Yeah. So are, are we back? I mean, I, I know when I would go before we had to wear a mask and that requirement, I'm not sure if you still, you don't have to wear a mask if you've been vaccinated maybe, but right. yeah, are, are the, longer. are the numbers... Did they ever go down, or is it, is it is it growing now that we're coming out of the COVID? They did. The, the numbers went down slightly um, between 2019 and 2020. Um, the library cards issued were were down. Mm-hmm. Uh, materials checked out were up. <laughs> Visits to the library were up 15 percent, which mm-hmm. is great. And um, the number of programs offered were up. Uh, 23%. So even with COVID, library usage has been extraordinary. Well, people had more time at home. I guess they could read or they right. could, they needed a place to go. Or they exactly. Could go. Yeah. You yeah. know, in, in a tough economy, too, uh, yeah. they can also get assistance with uh, with uh, resumes. So that's probably a little bit of the... The, the library uh, helps with that? Yes. I'll yes, that for no yes. charge? They can, yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Really? Certainly. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, I think it's it's things. It's a combination of those sorts of things. Yeah. What the needs were at the time, the mm-hmm. library addresses those needs. Uh-huh. And if, if it was people trying to find uh, jobs and in, in, you know as as COVID hit, right? Uh, then they, that's that's where they yeah. directed their efforts. I'm curious, and I don't know, Andrew, if you know this or both of you might know it. The history on the taxes, like there must have been a reason. Because we had three taxes, right? Yes, we did. Do you know the the history on that? Like, why why were there three taxes? Was it looking like way back before we had these branches? Was yeah. it a planned layout of we're going to do this and we're going to do this? Yeah, I'm not certain about the strategy behind the separation of the millages into mm-hmm. three. It does, that does offer, seem kind of risky. It, you know? it does yeah. offer, yeah, it offers some, you know, because sometimes. People would, would tell me, man, you have three millages and other cities only have one. Yeah, but the 10 million, the 10 mills that Baton Rouge has in its one millage was more than the combined millages yeah. of Lafayette. At its height, I think the combined millages we had was around six mills. You see, so mm-hmm. even though we had three separate millages, we had less in the dollar amount and the millage allocation uh, than a one millage city like like Baton Rouge did. So where are we now with our total millages? We have two I know, but I mean, what do you know? Like the this one that's coming up for uh, election for renewal is one point eight four mils. We lost the one point four eight mil. So the other one's about two election, mils, and the then? other one's about okay. two mils. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, it does seem like it'd be yeah. make more sense to have one millage. Yeah. Well, and that's been you see it, it was is a calculated risk in a way. You know, you lose one and you still have some revenue. Mm-hmm. But in this case, the loss of that one uh, millage meant the loss of three million dollars a year mm-hmm. essentially, and that's a big hit for any organization, even one with what with what some people thought was a big fund balance. 
you know, which all of a sudden has dwindled in just two or three years from 40 million right. to seven with a million dollar loss a year, you see the problem. <laughs> and, yeah. and if you could elucidate on this, um, were those branches built with cash or was there bonding? Combination of both. Okay. But there's still about, I think it's it's between 15 and $20 million of bonding capacity that still remains for the library because the library did spend money uh, spend cash money on libraries where it mm-hmm. could because that way it wasn't right and it didn't have the interest charges and the like so it was really good I mean the boards prior to the time that I came on board and then the boards that I served on I think we were really good stewards of the mm-hmm. public's money because we ended up uh, saving the, the taxpayers a significant amount of, uh, amount of money and we built five well, four wonderful regional libraries mm-hmm. and upgraded the main right yeah right so. well is there going to be um a big push from the volunteers to rally the community to know the importance of this upcoming tax? Well, for us right now, well, overall, we are um, a nonprofit organization, nonpartisan. So we have to be very careful about how much um, we can we can push for a particular mm-hmm. millage. We can educate. So we can educate, mm-hmm. we can advocate, we can um, help people to understand the impact and we can also educate about what it will cost them because one of the things that um, I think is important for people to understand is that if you have a house that's valued at $75,000 and you claim the homestead exemption you pay nothing Mm -hmm. for uh, library service there's no um, No added added tax for that even if you have a home that's valued at $400,000, all that you would pay in tax for the library is $59.80 per, per year. year. Uh-huh. So it's I saw a great, that online. On yes. The site. You can put in the value of your house. Right. And it and, calculates And it, it calculates you. how much you mm-hmm. would be paying a uh-huh. year. So it's really, really important for people to understand that even though this is a millage, it is a tax. The value that you get for that small amount of money is something that um, can't mm-hmm. be overestimated. Mm-hmm. So um, we hope that we encourage people to educate themselves, to pay attention to some of the things that some of the information that we're providing them, mm-hmm. so that they can make uh, an informed decision on on how to vote. Do you know if there's other big initiatives in October? Is this going to be one of the only things on the ballot? I don't know what's coming up this year. I am not sure. I believe mm-hmm. I heard that there there are three, maybe. Are there some uh, other renewals? Other maybe? renewals. Andrew, do you recall? I'm not sure I haven't heard anything. That's why I was curious. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've heard about this because everybody, yeah. right? you know, it's, it's like you want to get publicity. But if we can, do y'all mind talking about some of the, I don't want to get too much into the controversy, but it seems like we've heard so much more about the library, about things that some people really care deeply about, and a lot of others were like, yeah. if you don't like it, just don't go. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's, it's, it's such a small thing, but things yeah, can be blown out of proportion. I'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let it rip. Well, you see, let me use that theme, I guess, to, to, to clarify something, because some people think that... What happened with the story time, Rack mm-hmm. story time issue, is the reason why we lost our millage in the spring of 2018. Not true. The 2018 millage loss was in the spring. The fall was when the Rack story time 
program was was uh, recommended or proposed by the staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, however you feel about that, it, it you know we we allow groups of faith to use our libraries. We allow uh, commercial or you know uh, uh, you know business type groups to use our. We we allow all types of groups to use our library. And it's so a public space. It's a public right? space. Yeah. And it's a place for, and, and you know, we're bound by, as a library, well, we're not library professionals, but we're volunteers, <laughs> but, the, but the professionals. That pretty professional. <laughs> the professionals are bound, the, the library director, the library, the librarians, by the way, they're all master's degree librarians yeah, in right. those libraries, but they're all bound by certain ethics codes that they have to, you know, mm-hmm. promote freedom of speech, lack of censorship, yeah. and those sorts of things. So it puts them... In a, in a tough spot if people mm-hmm. in the community ask them not to recognize certain groups. And so uh, that's kind of how that controversy, I think, ensued. Um, and I'm glad you brought up the yeah. timing, because for mm-hmm. most of us, it's kind of a blur. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah, like it's just, it's been a few years. That was the demise of the library, basically, yeah. and it really wasn't the demise yeah. of our financial, or not, I won't say demise, that's a strong word, but let's say that when the, when the when we started to see some financial uh Mm-hmm. Of foibles or frailty with the library. Yeah, so, but they really yeah. weren't tied to each other. No, it was just the same year. It yeah. just happened to be the same year. Yeah. After that, uh, if you recall the Voting Rights Act discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I contended that's just an historical event. Sorry, I mean that uh, the Voting Rights Act of 1965 is an historical event that occurred. Lyndon Johnson got that passed, and uh, he got it passed with bipartisan votes. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think that. Uh, that argument about it was political, it doesn't hold water. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, so I think that... Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up too. Because yeah. mm-hmm. it's... Yeah, freedom of speech is such a precious right. And yeah. if you don't let somebody use a library just because you don't like them, yeah. Yeah. where do you draw the line? Because, you know, all of us probably have somebody that doesn't want to see our faces. And yeah. How do you draw the line as a public... You know, certainly exactly. somebody that works for the library. It's true. Yeah. Trying to make the public space available. Yeah. But I wanted to let y'all talk because I'm, I just believe so strongly. Well, I was we more, I, I, guess, this I guess you're looking yeah. to me more because Joan, serving on the foundation board, didn't have the policy, government, you know, the governmental right. oversight type thing that I had when I was on the board of control. Yeah. And I was on the board of control during those times. And so, right. you know, and so you, you, so I know worked, it, you worked through all, I worked of, the, through it all, yeah. all of the issues that relate <laughs> to, to finance. I mean, we looked at it from the sidelines because we couldn't actually be involved in that. But, but there were strong voices on, on your foundation. Right. Oh, yeah. In right. support of the library. They've been great Absolutely. to support. Yeah. Absolutely. And my neighbor, Karen Gamble. She's a past president. Yeah, she's been very active, and a lot of her friends. And I mean, they care deeply about the library's future. Yeah. And, you know, their kids are grown. And it's great to have that resource now that the foundation has, because as Joan said, you know, they can can not so much advocate, but they can put out more info about the library. And it doesn't look so self-serving. Plus, some people would question, well, how much advertising should you do as a governmental entity? And so they look to the library staff as... Uh, maybe you shouldn't do that, but the foundation can say, we've got the resources to do that, let's put out, and that's mm-hmm. why we have this big right. ad campaign going on right yeah. now with billboards it's, and television commercials and, and other things. Yeah, right. So, you want to talk some about that, Jack? Yes. Um, we uh, decided that we needed to look at what would be the best way for us to educate the public about the, the importance of the libraries. And so what we did was we uh, contracted with a local firm 
to put together a program that was not politically uh, motivated or had anything to do with politics, but that did include the information that the public needs to know in order to make an, infirm, uh, an informed um, decision once the time comes. So we have, uh, we have done uh, a commercial that uh, many people may have seen. We've done billboards all over the parish. And, and it's important to remember that um, the um, Lafayette Library System is a parish-wide organization. Mm-hmm. Um, we have also we also have a speakers bureau that will be coming online soon, where some members of our board will go out to different groups in the community and ex- explain to them exactly who we are, what we do, and why it's important mm-hmm. that they support these efforts. So um, we we've, we're working very hard to make sure that we stay within our mission, but that we also uh, serve the needs of the community. Mm-hmm. That's the most important thing for us. That must be gratifying to it know is. that your it, hard work is, is it really, really is. going to make a difference. Right. Yeah. So we just want to um, make sure that we do the best we can to, mm-hmm. to provide the, the services and the information that people need. Yeah. That's good to have this grassroots effort. Right, you know, get that started now this summer because we've got what three months right. before this. This right. uh, it's a great system. Initiative. It's a great system. In 2019, no, 2020, we were voted as a an award called the Modisette Award. Um, Mr. Modisette apparently was a big uh, promoter of libraries in the state of Louisiana, and uh, uh, the, the, our system was won the Modisette Award as the best library in in Louisiana in 2020. Wow. So our system is, it's not just an okay system, it's yeah. a premier system. And We've you said got, that others are better funded than we are here, and that's quite yeah. that's quite an honor. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we've got other great libraries throughout the state, mm-hmm. too, but we've got a superb library in Lafayette, and we should be very proud of it, and yeah. we should protect it, and we should go out and vote for it on October 9th. Right, sure. right. Yeah. right. <laughs> well, any closing thoughts? Anything you wanted to say that I didn't open the door for? Um, well, there, there's just one thing I wanted to mention. Um, we, we have a couple of uh, fundraisers that we do. Uh, the main one is our, our luncheon. We have a luncheon that's uh, in conjunction with our annual meeting. And at that time, we provide awards to people from the community who have uh, been big proponents of the library. Mm -hmm. And it's also an opportunity for us to to meet uh, more people in the community. We also showcase um, local authors at that time, and they have an opportunity to come meet with the the community and sell some of their books Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that when, um, you know, when people have a chance to actually meet with the author of a book, it makes a big difference. It does. You know? It yeah. really does. So um, the the title of the program that we had this last time was The Future is Local. So the local libraries are the future for mm-hmm. Lafayette. And I just wanted to get that in because yeah. I, think, I think it's important yeah. that, that people know that these are some of the things that we do. Is there another fundraiser besides the annual luncheon? We have been doing, we're still planning a new one. Um, we had one that we used to do that sort of petered, petered out uh, mm-hmm. over time. You know, after you do the same thing for many years, it, yeah. you know, it can be, uh, you need a new plan. So we had, we're in the process of getting a new plan for our second fundraiser. 
And we will definitely share that information with you, Jan, when, when the Please time do. comes. Yeah. And I have a question as we're winding down. The bookmobile that you mentioned, um, where does that go? I mean, does it go to neighborhoods or does it park at a school? How does that work? It, it does both. Okay. It really does both. And it, it's, it's something that's utilized. I wish I had some statistics on the usage of the bookmobile, but it was um, something that was a long time planned and uh, took a long time to actually implement. But it goes to um, neighborhoods, it goes to schools, it uh, goes to community centers and other mm -hmm. locations where people gather. And it's it's been a, a great resource. Do you request books ahead of time or do you just, um is it like just a hodgepodge of books that are it's, in the it's bookmobile? A, right, it's a variety of books, and you can go in and look at the ones that are there, and uh -huh. they, you know, it, it, they rotate the different right. different right. titles. I love that online feature. I, I usually, before I buy a book, I'll check it out, and you know, you can just request the book you want. And I have, I'm like you, Joan. I use the downtown library most because I'm close yeah. to that. But I'll just request a book, and if I like it, then I go ahead and buy it. If I want to keep it. But there's just so many things I just want to stress. Yeah. You know, I really, I get more than the, whatever it was, $59 a year or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what my house is worth, but I mean, you know, yeah. I get so much more than what I would pay in taxes yeah. from the, the public library system. So, Andrew, do you have anything well, yeah, you want to you know, share? What I'm most concerned about is it's, the library's a wonderful library, but you look at it and there's the facade that's beautiful but that people won't realize the underlying problems that we have with the financial situation I was talking about. So I just, I'm just working as much as I can to make sure people, elected officials, the public understands that these types of problems don't go away and it takes action from your community. Yeah. And so we'll have to, again, invest in ourselves. Yeah. So we so. can maintain what we have too. So yes. we don't end right. up like the Middleton yeah. Library at LSU where sure. it's you know, crumbling structures because yeah. we don't have the funding. Yeah, and that will happen if you don't take care of it. Right. Yeah. yeah if you don't fund it properly, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What a pleasure to have you both here, Jen Savoy and Andrew Dion. I really want to thank you for your service to our community and um, for the time you took today to come share your story. I want to thank our listeners, and of course, I want to thank uh, our sponsors who make this podcast possible. First, Iberia Bank, a division of First Horizon. Thank you for your ongoing support as well as Oshner Lafayette General. And last but not least, Raider, and in particular, Jason Sikora, who mixes our tape and makes it sound so professional. We couldn't do this without you. Please visit our website, discoverlafayette.net, for this interview and all of our other interviews. There's over 220 at this point. Uh, or even better, you can subscribe on your device and get the podcast every Friday. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, this is Jan Swift. Thank you. <laughs>